All right. Few announcements to uh, to kick us kick us off here. Uh, first Sunday of the month, we like to let you know we do have a website. We have a church app. If you're technologically savvy and want an app, well, sometimes we send out notifications and things like that. You can also look at the uh, sermons and everything going on. Uh, so there's ways to connect in the rows there. There's welcome cards, information cards. There's also ways to give, and there's boxes here in the worship center, and a lot of you give faithfully online. And so we appreciate that. And as we head into 2024, uh, the elders uh, have really spent a lot of time seeking the Lord for vision, and we're excited. I've been giving you little tidbits about where we're heading in 2024, and we're excited as a church family. And we just want to, on the front end, just encourage you, seek the Lord. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. He has provided through you, through all of us, abundantly. In fact, as we sit here today, there are many people in Kenya being blessed by those of you who, uh, who gave, many people at the Continuing Care Center who are being blessed by your generosity. So thank you. And into the new year, just continue to seek the Lord of what he would have you to do there. Uh, those of you who are uh, maybe desiring to do something structured as far as the Bible uh, is concerned in 2024, on our website, we do have Bible reading plans. If you go to the website, that arrow, you'll see a resources uh, button. You click on that, and that will take you here to the Bible reading plans. And there's a, right there, there's four of them to pick from. Uh, and it's just structure. And, you know, if you've not read through the Bible, there's a variety of ways to do it there. Um, but sometimes it's helpful. You know, you can print it off and have a checklist. Uh, I know it's the seventh, so you're like, oh, man, I'm already like seven. That's okay. Just add a little bit. You'll catch up. You'll catch up. Or just start and end seven days into 2025. That's cool, too. Right? Um, but we wanted to make you aware of that because some people like the structure. And if it's a good goal. If you've not ever read through the entire Bible, there's something about accomplishing that. And, 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 you know, it might be a bucket lister. Um, again, not to create this kind of heavy thing, but just, you know, joyfully read through the scriptures. Okay? So there's, that's available. Also, uh, many of you contributed to Kenya, and you've been asking about the team. They, they were sent off this past week, and there's a picture of Mark and Matt and Maya and Jordan and Shiloh and Ziva in front of the hospital there in Kenya in Kapsawar. So they did arrive um, they've already visited a children's orphanage, and I understand they're going to be working at the orphanage, do some painting and things like that. So uh, thank you for your generosity. Please continue to pray for them um, as they just kind of seek the Lord for opportunities to serve in the hospital and the orphanages and just in the local community. Uh, so they're having a great time there. Okay? Um, why don't we stand together? And we're going to sing a little bit more here. But before we do that, I just want to give you an opportunity. Again, um, you know, it's 2024, and, and sometimes, you know, we kind of race into the year, or, you know, we kind of blow off resolutions, or whatever it might be. Uh, but I really want us as a church family, we kind of, you know, as elders, we were praying the last quarter together. And this is kind of a, a really, for me, it's a very strategic year for us as a church. Uh, you know, we, we started the Wesleyan Church in 2010. I actually started in a living room in this neighborhood, went to the Wesleyan Church, rented there for a bit. We moved into this facility in 2017, and then we weathered COVID together and the shutdown. And, you know, there were times here on Saturdays or something, I was, I was preaching to a camera and y'all were at home. And so I, was, I had to work through learning to preach to a camera with nobody here. And, but we weathered that. You remember all the video clips of worship in the houses and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And then after COVID kind of, you know, transitioned out, there's been a transition and we're blessed by so many new people that have come in uh, towards the end of last year and last year. And we're really sensing, I'm really sensing, you know what? God has something for us in 2024. And we celebrate where we've come from. We celebrate 2023, but uh, I'm excited for 2024. I really am. Um, Randy with the men's ministry, the women's ministry is booming. Kingdom kids, um, they're going to build a home again in Mexico. There's a lot going to be happening. And on the front end, I just really don't want to just rush into a year. So I want to give you an opportunity now, if you haven't, just between you and the Lord, just pause and just commit the, commit the year to the Lord. Okay, let's just go into prayer. And just, just in the quietness of your heart, just commit the year. Commit yourself to the Lord, whatever that means. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. The classic modified resolution list. Right. I, I love that. It's just a fun way to kick off the year because I'm, I'm guessing uh, many of you, uh, you know, you have dreams and you have goals and you have visions. Maybe you don't call them resolutions. Resolutions aren't, aren't a bad thing. You know, I, I always like uh, the calendar year. Our, our church runs on a fiscal calendar year and, you know, it's just a good marker. It's just a good marker. Of course, you can make changes anytime during the year, but January to December, it's a good run. It's a good run, and, you know, I, I, we can sure identify with that. And, and we're going to look today um, really at, at a core, I don't want to necessarily call it a resolution, but a core goal, vision that Scripture calls all of us to. And if we pursue this in 2024... Here's, here's the crazy, wonderful thing. If you personally pursue this vision, this goal, this resolution in your life, you and your family will reap the benefits. And if we collectively do this individually, collectively, this church, I mean, just watch out. If we will pursue this, right? And, and last 
Just a quick review. Last Sunday, we talked about the Apostle Paul and, and his journey, and we used him as an example. And there's this quote that I like from Jean-Paul Sartre, and it says, Life is C between B and D, where B is birth, D is death, and C are choices that we make. So if you were to fast forward to December 31st, 2024, and you did a you know, year in review, where you're going to be on December 31st is directly related to every choice you're going to make throughout this calendar year. And in the same way, where you are going to be spiritually in your spiritual growth and maturity come December 31st of this year is directly related to the spiritual choices you are going to make today, throughout the day, every day. We are confronted by choice after choice after choice, right? I, I like that, the list, right? The choice to get on the treadmill. The choice when someone cuts me off, right? The choice to take care of the garage, right? Choices, 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 choices at work, choices at home, choices in our thoughts, choices in our words. It all adds up at the end of this calendar year. It's all going to add up to something. And here's the thing. You're going to have to own that. At a certain place, we're in this culture that has a hard time taking responsibility for life now, right? We're in a culture that likes to blame shift and likes to, you know, skirt responsibility and it's this and it's that, if only da-da-da-da-da. But the truth be known, where I am and where you are in December 31st of this calendar year is going to be on you and on me. It's our responsibility, especially spiritually. We're going to look at that today, Okay. In Philippians 3, last Sunday, we looked at this passage, and the Apostle Paul is talking about his desire to know Jesus more, to be more like Christ. And this is what he says. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. So there's this great humility. He knows he's in process. He's still in sanctification. He's not there yet. He says, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Last Sunday, we looked at, at that passage, part of it, and we saw that the word press means to pursue, like you're chasing a criminal. It means to exert effort, to, to really be invested, committed, to quickly and energetically pursue something. He's pressing on. To know Jesus more. And then he says, and part of that is forgetting what lies behind. And I showed you at the end of last service, there was a tradition in the south of Italy at midnight, right, where they throw, literally throw furniture out their windows. Furniture, couches, kitchen utensils. And it's very symbolic of getting rid of the old and being ready for the new. And last Sunday, we asked a question, what do you need to, as Paul says, forget? Because he says, forgetting what lies behind. So last Sunday, we spent quite a bit of time, and I encourage you, Sunday and this week, to really sit down and say, Lord, what in my life is hindering or impeding my spiritual progress? What do I need to forget? Now, biblically, we saw that forget doesn't mean to not remember anymore, okay? Uh, this quote says this, please keep in mind that in Bible terminology, to forget does not mean to fail to remember, Apart from senility, hypnosis, or brain malfunction, no mature person can forget what has happened in the past. We may wish that we could erase certain bad memories, 
but we cannot. To forget in the Bible means no longer to be influenced by or affected by, right? And so we spent last Sunday really asking, what is it that needs to be released? Can't erase it from your memory, but you don't have to bring it into 2024 and be shackled to it anymore. But that's a choice. That's a choice. Because some of us have rehearsed things and been so bound by things that that's our normal. And one of the choices, although it sounds really good to leave things behind and to move forward with Jesus, here's the challenging part. When you leave something behind and you're now free, it's scary because that's now uncharted territory. Amen? And that's where a new level of faith comes in. And that's where you're challenged to make new relationships and to walk, in, as the Bible says, in newness of life. So the Apostle Paul says, hey, you know what? I, this is the Apostle Paul himself, I'm forgetting what lies behind, even the good stuff. And that's what I shared last Sunday. We celebrate. This is an incredible church facility. God has blessed us abundantly. But we even aren't bound by resting on our spiritual laurels around here. It's new wine for a new year, new wineskins. So we celebrate it, but we're going to move forward. We're not going to rest and get complacent, just like in our spiritual life. If you're not careful, you can celebrate what God has done in your life, and it's, it's not even throwing shade at that. It's true, but if you're not careful, even the successes can shackle you from further growth because now you call it good, and you go into spiritual cruise control, and you just kind of, you know, you're just riding it out till Jesus comes back or you get to the pearly gates, right? You just kind of, you don't have that intensity anymore of pursuing Christ. So what do you need to, what do you need to leave behind? Right? It's, still, it's only seven days in. If you weren't here last Sunday, it's a good exercise. I did it. I said, you know, I sat down and said, Lord, and if you ask him, he'll start showing you stuff. If you sit down and you say, Lord, what is hindering me? What is impeding me? What, what am I still bound by? What do I need to leave behind? If you sit there long enough with the pen and pencil, pen and paper, believe me, he'll start to, he'll start to show you some things. Okay? I like this quote. It says, too many Christians are shackled by regrets of the past. They are trying to run the race by looking backward. No wonder they stumble and fall and get in the way of other Christians. Some Christian runners are being distracted by the successes of the past, not the failures. And this is just as bad. The things are which, which are behind must be set aside, and the things which are before must take their place, right? We said before, you don't drive your car looking in the rearview mirror. You got to look forward. But some of us live our lives with shoulda, woulda, couldas. Anybody here have a shoulda, woulda, coulda? Just one or more, an entire file cabinet, Right? At a certain point, you acknowledge it, and this is what I said last time. You own it, you take responsibility, and here's the thing. If you have shoulda, woulda, couldas, just learn the lessons from the shoulda, woulda, couldas. Learn the lesson. You can't undo it. You still may have remorse, regret. You know, you still might even have consequences. King David had consequences, right, with the whole issue with Bathsheba we talked about. You still might have consequences for poor decisions, but here's the thing. Learn the lesson. Grow from it, because the Bible says when trials come our way, it's for our good. It matures us, okay? So don't live. I think maybe, maybe the victory for one person here is, you know what? In 2024, I'm not going to live in shoulda, woulda, coulda land. Because hindsight will always be 2020. 
Why didn't I do that? Oh, why didn't I? Why didn't I? Why didn't you? Because in that moment, you did the best you could. You know, I'm raising, I've raised five kids, and now they're all in their 20s, and they're working through adulting stuff, right? And having to make decisions about career and da 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 da, da. And as I navigate that with them, sometimes they get to this point of having to make a call. And this is what I tell them. Make the best decision you can with the knowledge you have. With the data, get counsel, do your homework, get your resources. But at a certain point, you got to pull the trigger and make a decision because you don't know what you don't know. If we all knew how a stock was going to play out in the market, right? <laughs> right? We'd be all be millionaires, right? You don't know. And so the journey of faith of following Jesus is that our focus is on Jesus, and we're following him in faith and obedience, but you have to understand, he gives you the grace as humans. He knows your frame. He knows your story. He knows where you've been. He knows what you don't know. So you got to move forward because sometimes we get so scared, right? Paralysis of overanalysis. Well, this. Well, this. Well, this. Right? And then you're about to make a decision and somebody says, well, did you think about this? And you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm back to square one. Right? Anyone ever like look at every option and every option looks really good and now you're scared to make the wrong choice? Anyone? Right? Well, here's the thing. You're human. You're finite. There's no, only one person knows everything at all times. That's God. You do the best you can. Even spiritually, you do the best you can around here when it comes to serving. We're like, hey, you want to serve? You want to volunteer? Great. Jump in. We'll work with you. And if that's not the particular ministry, we'll find one. But we would rather have you moving than sitting, you know, in the pews for two years going, I wish I could. I think maybe that. I think that. Just try it. Try it. It's, it's very interesting. I shared last Sunday. Our journey of faith in following Jesus should be an adventure. It, there should be some enthusiasm. There should be some, like, let's do this, right? Like, we have some young, like, the youngsters all hang out here, and they go dirt bike riding, and they do some crazy stuff, and they injure themselves with potato guns and, you know, kinds of things like that, right? <laughs> kind of like our, our, our walk with Jesus should have this adventurous spirit, amen? But over time, we get real careful, and then, you know, we get... And we, no, no. And, and I'm not talking about being reckless or, you know, unreasonable. But why did we switch pursuing Jesus and being holy and godly from something that's a great adventure? And, and we were just going to do it and we we're just going to try our best and we're going to stumble and bumble. But we're going to be making progress as we stumble and bumble. I, you know, last Sunday I shared about the guys, my son and his friends who, who had learned to surf a couple years ago. And I would just sit at the beach and watch them repeatedly, repeatedly. And, and you know what they would do? They would get up and they, they would pearl a wave or they would go over the falls and, and they would get up and they're like, ooh, that was so awesome. And all their friends were like, dude, you almost had it. That was awesome, right? They were cheering the failures. And there was this camaraderie in the water. And there was this joy. And then when one guy would get up, man, they were like, ooh, yeah, you know. They're like, 
That should be us spiritually, amen? We got to get that back. We got to get in the surf line. We got to get out there. Got to roll up your sleeves. You got to just do it and cheer each other on. We got to like be the best cheerleaders around here for each other because, you know, the world out there, that's just not a happy place. There's a lot of negativity and a lot of out there. Here, the pursuit of godliness and the pursuit of Jesus, man, we should just be like supporting each other, cheering each other on. And if we like try something that doesn't work, then try something else. You know, I shared this year we're going to bring back some things. Uh, we're going to do the big Thanksgiving family. I think we're going to, we used to do it in here. There was like 100 plus people and there would be people there and there for Thanksgiving. We're bringing something back for Thanksgiving this year. You know, we're going to try some new things. And we're going to hit a home run on some of them. And some of them we're going to go, well, we'll just tuck that one away as a learned, learned our lesson moment. But we're going to learn a lesson by doing. We're going to learn by doing. It's like riding a bike, right? I didn't get it right the first time. You know, I remember first time, when we grew up in high school, you know, when we were 16, we wouldn't get our license like immediately. My kids are a little bit different. They're like not in a hurry. Me and my boys, we're like, I got to get your license, man. So we get 16, get our license. And I'll never forget this. One of my friends had a stick shift. And none of, I didn't grow up, my family didn't have a stick shift. So we're riding around. I just got my license. And he pulls over. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? He goes, you're driving. Like, car full of guys. Throw the new license guy. In there, because in, back in those days, you didn't have to wait a year to put people in there, right? You get your license, you go pick up all your friends. So that's what they did. I got my license, they came and got me in the stick shift. And so we park, he parks, and like, you know, and of course, peer pressure, so you gotta, can't be a punk, right? You know, I can do this, clutch, da, da, da. Oh my gosh. Or, kunk. Anyone ever try to do a, you don't even, you don't even do this. It just goes, kunk. They were roaring, laughing. They were like, dude, clutch, clutch. Like, I haven't. But I learned, right? And we had a great time. And I was so out of my comfort zone, but you just do it. Sometimes, even in our faith, we lose the joy of just doing it with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Just go. Just go. All right? And sometimes. We have to choose to let go of the past. We really do. And years and years ago, before we even started this church, I was in another church, and I got a call to go do a visitation at someone's home. And I kind of knew them a little bit. Uh, but they didn't give a lot of details. And so I went, and you know, I walked into the home, and I knew something, just by the vibe, something, something had happened. And I sat down, and it turns out that there... Uh, the wife had been driving a truck and had uh, backed into somebody, a pedestrian, actually killed them. And she was trying to process this. And so I sat with her for quite a while, and I had to navigate, and it took quite a while, but that first meeting I had to allow her to get to the place of moving forward of moving forward, that this accident didn't define her, 
right? And all the regret and the remorse and shoulda, woulda, couldas, and how could I that resulted in someone's death. At a certain point, we navigated and walked together that she had to move forward. And there were consequences, insurance and all that, you know, all the, the liability issues that came with that. But for her personally and in her spiritual life, she had to come to a place of peace that she couldn't undo it. She owned it, but then she had to choose to move forward. And once she did that, she found greater peace, right? Because many of us can be our own worst. How could you? I can't believe you did that. Oh my gosh, really, right? Really? And at a certain point, you got to give yourself a break. You got to give yourself a break. Sometimes accidents just happen. That's why they're called accidents, right? And then sometimes we make some poor decisions with some consequences. And if that's your case too, you own it. You take responsibility. If it's sin issue, you confess it to God. You receive his forgiveness. And then what? You move forward. King David had to move forward. Paul was Saul. He had to move forward. Peter denied Jesus. He had to move forward. Right? So I want to encourage you. If you didn't do that this week, don't let the devil keep accusing you. Because that might not just be you. That might be the enemy that is keeping you shackled. You remember when you, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you got you to gotta say no to that. And you got to choose to move forward. Okay? In Philippians 3.13, it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Straining forward, it means to stretch one's muscles to their limit. A runner exerting maximum energy and effort, straining toward the finish line. Here's the point. Paul says he's pressing on. Paul says he's straining forward. If you're going to pursue godliness and holiness, it takes effort. It's going to take effort and commitment. Okay, it, it doesn't kind of happen by osmosis and like in this passive thing where, you know, I'm just going to passively sit there and miraculously I'm going to become godly and holy without doing anything. The Apostle Paul himself says he's pressing on and he's straining like an Olympic runner towards the finish line in his pursuit of Jesus. And I just wonder how many of us in our walk with Jesus Maybe you started out initially really enthused and really energetic and you wanted to be, your, you got up early and you read your Bible and you were exerting a lot of time and energy and resources into your relationship with Jesus. And then over time, you know, it's just, you've lost the zeal and the enthusiasm, all right? I remember in PE class or, you know, you dress out for PE and then the, the coach or whatever teacher would make you run around the track or around the school or something like that. Remember in PE class, there was always like a few that wanted to win that exercise lap. Anyone know that, right? They would just take off like. And then the vast majority, right? When, right? And anyone in the vast majority, you're just like, yeah, I'll get there when I get there, you know, and. Right? And some are just walking, and I 
Because, you know, the coach just said, just do a lap. He didn't say we had to, you know. But some of them were like, right? We want to win, everything, right? Sometimes in our walk with Jesus, we start out as the ones that wanted to go and be first. Yeah, I get it. And over time, we're like, yeah, yeah. And we're just kind of mid-pack, just kind of in cruise control. You know, we'll take a lap because coach said, right? But the apostle Paul says he's pressing on. He's straining forward. And maybe in 2024, it's time to just get relit. Get your enthusiasm back. Like, right? Kind of like, hey, wake up. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this, right? In Hebrews 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. We're in a race. We're in a race. First Sunday of 2024, gun just barely went off. We got to go. We got to go. And we do it together. We do it together. A few months ago, I did a, what is it, Mike, what it was, 60-mile, 62-mile ride with Tyler and Mike in Santa Barbara and Montecito. And, you know, we trained a little bit for that. But, man, I wouldn't want to do that by myself. There was camaraderie and there was accountability. There was encouragement in doing it together. And that's why God puts us into the body of Christ to do it together, to run the race in 2024 together, okay? John Piper says this, the race of the Christian life is not fought well or run well by asking, what's wrong with this or that? But by asking, is it in the way of greater faith and greater love and greater purity and greater courage and greater humility and greater patience and greater self-control? Not... Is it a sin? But does it help me run? Is it in the way? Don't ask about your music, your movies, your parties, your habits. What's wrong with it? Ask, does it help me run the race? Does it help me run for Jesus? You see the flip? If you keep asking, is it a sin? Bad, 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 bad. That just kills all your joy. Right? When we were training, there's certain things. You change your diet willfully, joyfully, Right? Bill, what was the hike that you went on your longest hike like years ago? You hiked like how many miles? He hiked 600 miles by his lonesome, right? Because he wanted to. But in that preparation and training, there was sacrifice, there was training, there was learning, education. There was a lot that went into something, this endurance hike of 600 miles, right? In the same way, we're on a, we're on a race, we're, we're in this endurance walk with Jesus, and it's going to take effort and discipline and training. It's not a passive thing that's just going to happen, Right? If, you, if you're around people and you, and you say, man, that's a godly dude, or she's a godly woman, I guarantee you that this didn't happen on its own. There's been a lot of time and energy and effort into that person becoming godly. It wasn't just like they're lucky, you know. No, 
No, they've probably been very diligent. They've been pressing on and they've been straining forward. Right? You just haven't seen it. Okay? In 1 Timothy, Paul says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. If you want a resolution that will be there every year, pursue godliness. In fact, he says, train yourself for godliness. In some versions, it's exercise yourself. In some versions, it's discipline. That word train is where we get our word gymnasium. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy to exercise, go to the spiritual gym so that you can become godly. Okay? It takes effort. You got to exercise yourself to godliness. Train yourself. Discipline yourself. I like this from Kent Hughes. He says, the rich etymology of discipline suggests a conscious divestment of all encumbrances and then a determined investment of all of one's energies. Just as ancient athletes discarded everything and completed gumnas, naked, so must a disciplined Christian man divest himself of every association, habit, and tendency which impedes godliness. Then with the lean spiritual nakedness accomplished, he must invest all his energy and sweat in the pursuit of godliness. See, when the Apostle Paul used that word train, Timothy and all the readers would have said, what? Because that word was reserved for professional athletes who were in strict training for the games that they would have. That is a specific word reserved for professional athletes. And he used it for us in our pursuit of godliness. That's what it's going to take in 2024. For us, for me, for you, 12 months from now, to be more godly, we're going to have to look back and go, I exercised. I trained myself. I did what I needed to do. You're going to reap the consequences of that. Right? You will, you will reap the benefit if you choose to train, discipline, exercise yourself towards godliness. It's interesting that word godliness is from an old English word called God, named godlikeness, which means to have the character and attitude of God. So the question is, 12 months from now, would you want to have more of the character and attitude of God? Yes? Okay. Well, Apostle Paul says, well, then hit the gym. Because it ain't going to happen on its own. It's not, it's not a passive enterprise here. It's not a passive activity. You got to exercise yourself so that 12 months from now, you go, man, I have more of the character and attitude of God. And who will reap the benefit? Your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your employees, your neighbors. The fallout is incredible. The ripple effect of you pursuing godliness, it's amazing. It's amazing, okay? Again, John Piper, he defines it. Godliness means a love for the things of God and a walk in the ways of God. George Meisinger, godliness is godly living, living according to the will of God. It is a kind of obedience that results from walking in the spirit, okay? So around here, we'll often say, you know, how do you do this? We'll get in the word, pray, Commit to church, right? 52 of these Sundays, drive the stake in the ground, just be here, right? We call those spiritual disciplines. Very important. 
But here's a very important thing as we move forward in 2024. These spiritual disciplines are just a means to an end. Okay, Bible reading, yes. Memorization, yes. Should you go get involved in Bible studies? Yes. Should you serve? Yes. Should you come to church all the time? Yes. Should you, yes, yes, yes. Spiritual disciplines. But just be careful that you don't start to think that just because you do all these things, you're godly. Because that's what the Pharisees thought. You see, it's very subtle. It's very subtle. Don't think that doing the disciplines equates to you being godly. They are a means to an end. You do all these disciplines so that the Holy Spirit begins to change your heart, your mind, your attitude from the inside out. Amen? That's the purpose of the disciplines. But some people get so involved in church and doing, 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 and they're serving here and they're giving and da-da-da, and reading the Bible, and all of a sudden they're just becoming self-righteous. They're becoming self-righteous because, like the Pharisees, it's all about undoing. And then they become spiritually prideful, and in the end, their heart hasn't been changed at all. In fact, they might have less of the character of God because now it's all about them, and they're walking around church all kind of spiritually puffed up because of all the stuff they do around the well, you know? No. The spiritual disciplines are designed as a means through the Holy Spirit to transform you. That's why we do them. That's why you have to stay the course. That's why you stay the course. And it's, it can be challenging to stay the course. Amen? Right? To get up and do what you need to do and da-da-da-da-da, right? I get it. That's why you help to have encouragement, accountability partners, people around you. Hey, let's do this together. Let's read through the Bible together. Wink, wink. Why don't you do that? Get one or two people. A little healthy camaraderie. Right? Why, why not? Read, okay, if not the whole Bible, the New Testament. Okay, if not the whole New Testament, Proverbs. Because <laughs> there's 31 chapters. One, one chapter a day. Do that together. The key is to start. Just start. Okay? And find people around you who will cheer you on, who will hold you accountable, and you'll finish, cross the line together. Okay? I love this. Jerry Bridges says this. The truly godly person is not interested in becoming rich. He possesses inner resources which furnish riches far beyond that which earth can offer. The words godly and godliness actually appear only a few times in the New Testament. Yet the entire book is a book on godliness. There is no higher compliment that can be paid to a Christian than to call him or her godly. You ever think about that? That's pretty crazy. No higher compliment than to be called godly. For someone to say you're godly, which means, man, I see the character and attitude of God in you. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty humbling, right? But we should be pursuing that. Not in a selfish, prideful way, but in a way that glorifies God. Right? But it's going to take exercise. And, and diligence and discipline, right? Primarily, honestly, through the word of God. Again, Jerry Bridger says this, Godliness is devotion to God, which results in a life that is pleasing to him. It is impossible to practice godliness without a constant, consistent, and balanced intake of the word of God in our lives. It's the word of God, hearing and doing. 
empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I love this verse. Look at 2 Peter 1.3 in the New Living Translation. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Look at that. You and I have been given everything we need for godliness. You don't need to order anything from Amazon. You don't need to look at another infomercial. You know, you don't need to. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. Indwelling Holy Spirit, word of God. Put into the church. He's told, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's kind of like weighty because there's no excuse. We should all, okay, honestly, December 31st, we should all be able to celebrate a little progress towards godliness. Amen? Because it's already, the resources are already there. He just wants you to unpack them and use them this year. But it's going to take some exercise and some training, okay? And so as we move forward... I just want to encourage you again, just take the time. It's only January 7th. Take a deep breath. Do an assessment. The Apostle Paul says, not that I have already, I'm not there. Do a spiritual assessment. Lord, where am I? What's the good? Where am I in process? Lord, where am I really struggling? And Lord, where in 2024 can I make some tangible progress? For some of you, it might be a big leap. Others, it might be a baby step, but you celebrate it all. Amen? Come on. Do something. Like, many of us are wired for achieving goals, whether financial goals, career goals, relational goals, right? But somewhere along the line, we put aside the pursuit of godliness. Pursue godliness as the core resolution, the core vision of 2024, and watch what it does for the rest of your life. All the other areas. You're going to be a better spouse. You're going to be a better parent, better employee, better employer. You're going to handle your money better. You're going to use your time better. Why? Because you're pursuing godliness at the core of your being. You can't help but benefit practically, tangibly, day to day if you pursue godliness. And then put some people around you. Pursue it together. Like seriously, there's nothing that says you can't get some friends and say, hey, what's God put on your heart for 2024? What's the area? Is it your language? Is it your laziness? Is it how you spend your money? Is it your road rage? Is it, well, I don't know, you know, Ernie? I don't know, Ernie, I've known you 20 years. Longer than that, right? Doesn't, you know, why why can't we share a God-given godliness dream with somebody and pursue it together? Wouldn't that be cool? And then in December, celebrate it. Right? Because we're in this together. And then when we face the challenges, we're also in the challenges together. Because 2024, you know, you got an election coming up. You got the global conflicts still going. We're in for a bit of a roller coaster in 2024. Nationally, internationally, and even down to the personal level. Some of us have already started 2024 
in a bit of a valley and in some challenging situations, right? But praise God that he's the same God. New year, same God. And he's put you into a church family to remind you that you're not alone this year. So let's do this together. Let's do this together, okay? Charles Stanley says this, godly people order their lives around godly counsel. They seek friends with fellow believers, not with the lost. They get enjoyment, encouragement, and refreshment from the word of God. Godly people will successfully stand the storms of life, are fruitful and prosper in all they do. Godly people are contented. They are not anxious or fretting. A sweet quietness marks them. The beginning of being a godly person is receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the foundation to build upon. No greater choice you can make on the first Sunday of 2024 to come to faith in Jesus. And if you know Jesus, no greater choice you can make today to pursue godliness. Decide that you're going to exercise, you're going to train yourself unto godliness. And in December, perhaps we'll have a testimony Sunday. And we'll give you all a chance to share the progress that you made this year. Because on January 7th, you said, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to pursue godliness. I'm going to drive the stake in the ground, and I'm going to do this. Amen? All right. A few announcements to, uh, to kick, us, kick us off here. Uh, first Sunday of the month, we'd like to let you know we do have a website. We have a church app. If you're technologically savvy and want an app, well, sometimes we send out notifications and things like that. You can also look at the uh, sermons and everything going on. Uh, so there's ways to connect in the rows there. There's welcome cards, information cards. There's also ways to give, and there's boxes here in the worship center, and a lot of you give faithfully online. And so we appreciate that. And as we head into 2024, uh, the elders uh, have really spent a lot of time seeking the Lord for vision, and we're excited. I've been giving you little tidbits about where we're heading in 2024, and we're excited as a church family. And we just want to, on the front end, just encourage you, seek the Lord. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. He has provided through you, through all of us, abundantly. In fact, as we sit here today, there are many people in Kenya being blessed by those of you who, uh, who gave, many people at the Continuing Care Center who are being blessed by your generosity. So thank you. And into the new year, just continue to seek the Lord you know, of what he would have you to do there. Uh, those of you who are uh, maybe desiring to do something structured as far as the Bible uh, is concerned in 2024, on our website, we do have Bible reading plans. If you go to the website, the arrow, you'll see a resources button. You click on that, and that will take you here to the Bible reading plans. And there's a, right there, there's four of them to pick from. Uh, and it's just structure. And, you know, if you've not read through the Bible, there's a variety of ways to do it there. Um, but sometimes it's helpful. You know, you can print it off and have a checklist. Uh, I know it's the seventh, so you're like, oh, man, I'm already like seven. That's okay. Just add a little bit. You'll catch up. You'll catch up. Or just start and end seven days into 2025. That's cool, too. Right? Um, but we wanted to make you aware of that because some people like the structure. And if, it's a good goal. If you've not ever read through the entire Bible, there's something about accomplishing that. And, and, and you know, it might be a bucket lister. Um, again, not to create this kind of heavy thing, but just, you know, joyfully read through the scriptures. Okay? 
So there's, that's available. Also, uh, many of you contributed to Kenya, and you've been asking about the team. They, they were sent off this past week, and there's a picture of Mark and Matt and Maya and Jordan and Shiloh and Ziva in front of the hospital there in Kenya in Kapsawar. So they did arrive. Um, they've already visited a children's orphanage, and I understand they're going to be working at the orphanage, do some painting and things like that. So uh, thank you for your generosity. Please continue to pray for them. Um, as they just kind of seek the Lord for opportunities to serve in the hospital and the orphanages and just in the local community. Uh, so they're having a great time there. Okay? Um, why don't we stand together? And we're going to sing a little bit more here. But before we do that, I just want to uh, give you an opportunity. Again, um, you know, it's 2024, and, and sometimes... You know, we kind of race into the year or, you know, we kind of blow off resolutions or whatever it might be. Uh, But I really want us as a church family, we kind of, you know, as elders, we were praying the last quarter together. This is kind of a a really, for me, it's a very strategic year for us as a church. Uh, You know, we we started the Wesleyan Church in 2010. actually started in a living room in this neighborhood, went to the Wesleyan Church, rented there for a bit. We moved into this facility in 2017. And then we weathered COVID together and the shutdown. And, you know, there were times here on Saturdays or something, I was, I was preaching to a camera and y'all were at home. And so I, was, I had to work through learning to preach to a camera with nobody here. And, but we weathered that. You remember all the video clips of worship in the houses and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then after COVID kind of, you know, transitioned out, there's been a transition and we're blessed by so many new people that have come in. Uh, towards the end of last year and last year. And we're really sensing, I'm really sensing, you know what? God has something for us in 2024. And we celebrate where we've come from. We celebrate 2023, but uh, I'm excited for 2024. I really am. Um, Randy with the men's ministry, the women's ministry is booming, kingdom kids. Um, We're going to build a home again in Mexico. There's a lot going to be happening. And on the front end, I just really don't want to just rush into a year. So I want to give you an opportunity now, if you haven't, just between you and the Lord, just pause and just commit the, commit the year to the Lord. Okay, let's just go into prayer and just, just in the quietness of your heart, just commit the year, commit yourself to the Lord, whatever that means.